Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I got here at 1 o'clock this morning. So good morning to you. Good morning to you. Uh, we have a really, I'm, I'm happy to be here with you, happy to uh, be uh, called to share the Word of God with you this morning. And uh, we have a very special message this morning, so I'd like to ask if you would all bow your heads with me as I pray and ask the Lord to just be with us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. And Father, as we consider the things that we are praying to see in this generation, we ask that you would open our eyes and our hearts. Speak to us, Lord. And Father, I ask in a special way that you would hide me behind your cross. Let angels at excellent strength be round about us as we hear this message. And may angels sent to distract be ushered out. And Father, we just pray for your power in a special way this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. How many of you like riddles? Not that I go looking for riddles, but uh, I want to share with you a riddle this morning. I want to open up this message with a riddle, and I need you to be thinking and thinking carefully. Are you ready for the riddle? Are you ready for the riddle? Yeah. Amen. Very good. Out of the eater... came forth meat out of the strong came forth sweetness what is the answer to the riddle I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 14 Judges the 14th chapter And I'd like to give you the background of what we're about to read. We are dealing this morning initially with the story of Samson. And uh, we'll begin with verse 1. The Bible says there, And Samson went where? Down. And beloved, let me tell you, that's never a good place to go. (laughs) Samson is on his way down. And, and God never intends for us to go down. God calls us higher and higher. Amen. So Samson is here on his way down to Timnath and, and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. Verse 3, the father and mother complained, saying, Come on, there's so many others in Israel. Why are you choosing uh, an uncircumcised Philistine? In verse 4, the Bible says, or rather verse 5, the Bible says, Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath, 
and came to the vineyards of Timnath. Why? Because Samson had argued with his parents and said, look, the Bible actually says she pleases me well. And beloved, let me tell you, very often sin pleases us well, doesn't it? And so Samson is on his way down. His parents are going with him. And on his way down, in verse 5, the Bible says the latter part of that verse, And behold, a young lion roared against him. Yeah. A young lion roared. As Samson is on his way down to sin, a young lion comes in his way, and it's almost as though this young lion is there to deter Samson from going where he shouldn't be going. Verse 6, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and rent him as he would have rent a kid. It's amazing how uh, even in our wickedness, God is merciful to us. Even when we are headed in the wrong direction, God's grace and mercy is still there trying to win us and woo us back. But the Bible says here that this lion now turns into like a little baby goat or a kid because Samson is so determined in his sin that he kills this lion to get what he wants. I hope you're thinking with me this morning. Go down with me to verse 7. The Bible, Bible says here, And he went down and talked with, with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. And after a time he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. He took thereof in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and mother and gave them, and they did eat. But he told them not that, they, that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. So his father went down unto the woman, and Samson made there a feast, for so used the young men to do. And it came to pass, when they saw him, that they brought thirty companions to be with him. And Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a what? Riddle. What is a riddle? It's a puzzle. Can you give me another word for a riddle? Uh, a I heard someone say it in the back. A mystery. Isn't that what a riddle is? It's a mystery. It's something hard to be solved. Samson says, I'm going to put forth a riddle to you and and let's see what he says. If you can certainly declare declare it to me. If you can how? Certainly declare it to me within seven days of the feast and find it out. Then I will give you 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. But if you cannot declare it me, then shall ye give me thirty sheets and thirty changes of garments. And they said unto him, Put forth thy riddle that we may hear it. And verse 14, he answered, he said unto them, read that with me, out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. And the Bible says, and they could not in how many days? I find that significant. They could not in three days expound the riddle. And you know the rest of the story. They they bribe Samson's wife and she ends up getting the answer from Samson and then then tells them. And they come back and notice what the answer is. Verse 17. 
Rather, verse 18, the men of the city said unto him on the seventh day before the sun went down, just before the time was about to close for the riddle to be over. You understand what I'm saying? Just before sundown on the seventh day, what is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? There was the answer to the riddle. Now, let me draw for you a parallel. Humanity was headed down the path, was headed where? Down the path of sin. And uh, it's interesting, in the book of Hosea chapter 13, verses 6 through 8, that God himself likens himself unto a lion in the way. Attempting to prevent Israel from doing its own thing. And interestingly enough, Jesus himself is described as a what? Lion. And beloved, I find it that, that interesting that this Jesus who, who, who came in the way and said and, and, and basically roared at us trying to stop us from going in our own way. How many of us have said no sin pleases me well, so well that Jesus, you must die that I may sin. Interestingly, this lion who is who is the king of the jungle, turns into this little kid. And I think about the, the, the lion, Jesus Christ, who, like a lamb, went to the cross. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 7, that, that uh, uh, it, is, it was our sins for which Christ was what? Bruised. Our sins for which he was bruised. Out of the eater came forth meat. Out of the strong came forth sweetness. The question this morning is, Does did the death of Christ, that, that lion of the tribe of Judah, produce something sweet for the very ones that put him to death? What do you think? I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah, I'm sorry, the book of Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, and I want you to notice, beginning with verse 1. John is hearing vision, and he says in verse 1, I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaim with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. One of the elders said unto me, weep not, John, weep not. Why? Behold the who? The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lion. 
stood a lamb as it had been what? Slain. Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Verse 9, and they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast what? Slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people and nations. The very one that humanity had rejected in its mission to sin, is the very one that is now found worthy to open the book and bring salvation to humanity. Is this the honey? Is this the the sweetness of that sacrifice of Christ, beloved? Yes, it is. John 6, verse 51. Notice John chapter 6 and verse 51. The Bible tells us there. John chapter 6 and verse 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man, what? Eat this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Could it be possible that Samson's riddle is really a type of something much greater? Could it be possible that Jesus Christ is that lion that we slew and from his death, he provides his enemies with the sweetness of eternal life? He says, I'm going to give you my flesh to eat. And beloved, we ought to rejoice because this is the sweetness. In fact, when he says, I give you my flesh to eat, what was he talking about? He was talking about the sacrifice of himself. In essence, beloved, it is the cross that is the sweetness of the gospel. Amen? It is the cross that provides us with eternal life. What Jesus did On the cross. And listen, beloved, the world, do you realize the world today is trying to solve the riddle? You see, the world is looking for that which is sweet and that which is powerful. And they're out there searching. They're searching in Hollywood. They're searching uh, through riches. They're searching through all these things. And beloved, of all the people on planet Earth who should know the answer to the riddle... That everybody is, 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 is trying to find out it should be the Seventh-day Adventist church. Yeah. Out of the eater came forth meat. Out of the strong came forth sweetness. We have the answer. Let me rephrase that. We should have the answer to the riddle that the world is trying to solve. But see, beloved, the problem with us is we are still not certain of the answer. We cannot certainly declare it. You know what a taste test is? We're still doing a taste test. You know, okay, gospel, yeah, that's sweet, but but let me see if 
it's, it's this, no, no, I think it's a God. Well, you know, maybe let. And, and we're going back and forth. And so, in essence, we still have not certainly declared the answer to the riddle. We are still trying to figure out which is sweeter, the world or what Christ did for us on the cross. Some of us are still thinking that, that the media and that the movies that, 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 that Hollywood puts out there have a little bit of sweetness with them. And so we're trying to, you know, combine the sweetnesses. You know, a little bit of gospel honey and then a little bit of the sweetness of the world. And so we too are confused about the riddle. And I want to share with you now, beloved, why that's a dangerous thing for God's people in these last days. We are not to be confused about the riddle. I want you to turn with me to the book of Revelation chapter 10. And we're going to notice that this riddle has eternal consequences. Revelation chapter 10. And I want you to notice, beginning with verse 1, the Bible says, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. Who is this angel? Not a created being, the messenger of God. The Bible says he had in his hand a little book, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. And he cried with a loud voice as when a... Ah, yeah. As when a lion roareth. That means at this point in time, somebody's headed down. Somebody's in trouble. And if you understand the context of Revelation chapter 10, we're talking about the pre-advent experience. We're talking about those years, 1840 to 1844. And, and Jesus here is seen descending and he cries as a, as a lion roars. Verse four, when the, uh, verse 4, and when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. The angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth, lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever. Jump down with me to verse 7. In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound the... Give me another word. <laughs> yes. The riddle of God should be finished. You see, beloved, in the last days, there is a mystery, a riddle that... <laughs> Unless it is solved before the end of this seventh angel sounding. I guess I'll come back to that. The mystery should be finished. So, so, so what is it? What is this mystery? Verse 8, And the voice which I heard from heaven spake again unto me and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up and it shall make thy belly bitter. But... It shall be, what everyone? Sweet 
that's honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, thou must prophesy again before peoples, nations, and tongues, and kings. That tells me, beloved, that, that God's church has been commissioned to take honey to the world. You didn't catch it. And my question is, could it be possible that we are presenting the dead lion without the honey? Could it be possible that what we that what we are, are, are by and large are preaching is somehow or another nothing with the message. The message is totally sound, it's totally accurate. But could it be possible that we are presenting that message without the honey? You know, it's interesting. Those uh, uh, when Samson came back to that carcass, there were bees around the carcass. And my proposal is. If we preach the honey, the bees will come. (laughs) Because, beloved, Jesus said, and I, if I be what? Lifted up. Speaking of his death, he said, I'm going to do something so sweet that it will draw the bees. (laughs) Revelation 10 is a reference to the 2300-day prophecy. And what I see from this, beloved, is that there is something about the 2300-day prophecy that is what? Sweet. Now, I find that interesting because, you know, when I think about the 2300-day prophecy, in uh, in 2300 days, then shall the sanctuary be... Do you realize that that is a riddle to the world? Do you realize other Christians read that and they go, hmm, I wonder what this could mean. They don't have an answer. It's a riddle. But God has given the answer to the riddle to his people. There is something sweet about the 2300 day prophecy. And I want to share a couple of sweet things with you. And then we're going, to, we're going to try to move along as quickly as we can so we can complete this message. Listen, what is the sweet thing about the 2300-day prophecy? Here, I know what I was going to say. When we present that 2300-day prophecy, in 2300 days, then shall a sanctuary be, be cleansed. The judgment begins. The judgment begins. Oh. Oh. The judgment Oh, my goodness, the judgment. Who shall be able to stand? And we present them and people are terrified to death and they would rather there be no judgment. They go, oh, you know, Jesus finished it all at the cross because that, that sounds a whole lot better. <laughs> so they don't want to hear about this bitter message of a judgment. And beloved, let me tell you, the judgment, you know, the fact that there has to be a judgment is something bitter. There's no two ways around it. Why? Because sin entered into the world, and because of sin, we must go through this process, which is not a good process. Anybody ever been through judgment? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) You know how it is sitting in court, realizing that your freedom is on the line, and you may get off, but look, the experience is never good, is it? It's never good. Whether you're innocent or guilty, the experience is a bitter one. So we go forth, but could it be possible that we are missing the sweetness? See, 
2300 days, the 2300 day prophecy is, is like a 2300 day riddle. Unto 2300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Beloved, cleansed by what? How is the sanctuary cleansed? Come on, man. Think about Leviticus 16. When, when the high priest would go into the sanctuary to cleanse the sanctuary, what was the main ingredient? What was the hope of the sanctuary? What, what, what did it all boil down to? The blood. Wow. You mean the, the sweetness of the gospel, that blood, that, ge- that, that honey blood? Can we call it that? Honey blood? Is that okay? Honey blood? That, that blood that Jesus shed, that is the hope, that is the sweetness of the, of the prophecy of the sanctuary message of the 2300 days prophecy. You mean the 2300 day prophecy is designed to lift up Jesus and what he did on the cross as our only hope of salvation? Listen to this quote. In the day of final judgment, every lost soul will understand the nature of his own rejection of truth. The cross will be presented and its real bearing will be seen by every mind that has been blinded by transgression. Before the vision of Calvary with its mysterious victim, sinners will stand condemned. Every lying excuse will be swept away. Our high calling, page 46. She goes on to say, remove the cross from the Christian and it is like blotting out the sun which illumines the day and dropping the moon and stars out of the firmament of heavens at night. And let me add here, presenting a dead lion without the honey. The cross of Christ brings us nigh to God, reconciling man to God and God to man. The father looks upon the cross, upon the suffering he has given his son to endure in order to save the race from hopeless misery and to draw man to himself. The cross has been almost lost sight of, but without the cross, there is no connection with the father, no unity with the lamb in the midst of the throne in heaven. No welcome reception of the wandering who would return to the forsaken path of righteousness and truth. No hope for the transgressor in the day of judgment. What is the hope of the transgressor in the day of judgment? The cross. The 2300 day prophecy, beloved, is designed to point us to the cross. What is the purpose of the 2300 day prophecy? To take away what? Sins. What does John 129 say? Behold. The Lamb of God, which what? Taketh away the sin of the world. Beloved, the 2300 day prophecy is a Christ centered prophecy. Amen. And when we present it without, you are going to stand before the judgment one day. When we present it without Christ, we are presenting it something bitter. Now, We are not only to offer or to show the problem. We're to show the remedy. The 2300 day lets us know there is a problem. You are guilty before man. 
But there is also an answer to that problem, and that problem is in who? It's in Jesus Christ. I want you to notice with me, oh boy, I sure hope I can do this. Turn with me to the book of Song of Solomon, chapter 5. Song of Solomon, chapter 5. And um, I'm going to read a quote here before, well, let me do this and then I'll read the quote afterwards. Song of Solomon, chapter 5. And I want to share with you something amazing about this chapter. You understand that the Song of Solomon is a book dealing with a bride and a bridegroom. Amen? And beloved, in the last days, we know that the bride and the bridegroom is who? Jesus and his and his church. Now, I want you to notice with me. Think with me, Revelation chapter 10, okay? Notice the bride speaking, beginning with verse 2. I sleep, but my heart waketh. Let me start with verse 1. This is the bridegroom speaking. The bridegroom says, I am coming to my garden, my sister, my spouse. In other words, the bridegroom is here saying, I have come somewhere. I have arrived somewhere. Do you follow that? You following? Now we're going to jump down to verse 2. The bride speaking, I sleep. I what? I sleep, but my heart waketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, open to me. my." The voice of my beloved that what? Knocks. Where do you knock at? A door. Think with me. Saying, open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled, for my head is filled with dew and my locks with the drops of the night. The bride speaking, I have put off my coat. How should I put it on again? I'm ready for you. I'm waiting for you to come in. What do you mean go back out into the world? I've taken my coat off. I believe that you're coming. You're knocking at the door. I have washed my feet. How shall I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the hole of the door. My bowels were moved for him. I rose up to open for my beloved. Jump with me to verse 6. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had what? Withdrawn himself and was gone. Are you thinking with me? Are you thinking Revelation chapter 10? Are you thinking 1844? My soul failed when he spake. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave no answer. The watchmen that went about the city found me. They smote me. They wounded me. They took away my veil from me. Who are the watchmen? Those who are to be standing on the wall, warning the people of God. But beloved, we find that the watchmen in 1844 were saying, ha, 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 look at you. You thought Jesus was coming. They wounded the bride. Follow along with me. Notice verse verse 7. It says, they smote me, they wounded me, the keepers of the wall took away my veil from me. Come on, guys. Some veil in a heavenly temple. (laughs) What are you, are you kidding me? I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him that these people down here are persecuting us and I'm just angry, Lord. Kill them. Destroy them. What does she say? I'm lovesick. I'm lovesick. Beloved, the lesson here is that God's people are to be so in love with what he did for us on the cross that in the midst of persecution, when they have a chance to speak, all they can say is, oh yeah, tell Jesus that I'm lovesick. 
That's how in love God's people are to be with him. Now I want you to notice what happens. Verse 9. Listen to what the other daughters say when they hear the response of the bride. Listen to what they say. What is thy beloved more than another beloved, O thou fairest among women? What is thy beloved more than another that thou dost so... What is so different with your Jesus than the Jesus we've known? What kind of relationship do you have here? I am intrigued. (laughs) Sweetness. Now now listen to this. Listen to her. Listen to what she says. Listen to her. She's about to witness to the other churches. This is her, her final opportunity. And listen to what she says. My beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among 10,000. His head is as the most fine gold. His locks are bushy and black as ravens. His eyes are as the eyes of doves by rivers, water, rivers of waters, washed with milk and fitly set. His cheeks are as a bed of spices and, and, sweet, and sweet flowers. His lips like lilies dropping sweet swelling myrrh. His hands are as gold set with the barrel, his belly is as bright ivory, his legs as pillars of marbles. Verse 15, verse 16, his mouth is most what? Sweet, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Now you want to see the response of the daughters of, Reju- of Jerusalem? Verse, chapter 6, verse 1. Whither is thy beloved gone, O thou fairest among women? Whither is thy beloved turned that we may seek him with thee? Beloved, when we present the honey, the bees will come. Now, Ellen White tells us, the last rays of merciful light, the last message of mercy to be given to the world is a revelation of his character of Love. The children of God are to manifest his glory in their own life and character. They are to reveal what the grace of God has done for them. Are we presenting a dead lion without the honey? You see, we can take this a little bit deeper because the answer to the riddle is actually found in the very place you and I have been taking a whole world. Every time we witness, we take people to Revelation eleven nineteen, and we say, look, the temple of God was opened in heaven and there was seen the what? Come on now, Seventh-day Adventists. There was seen the ark of his testament. And we point the world to that ark and we say, you know what's in that ark? And they answer what? And what do we say? (laughs) Are you trembling yet? Yes, I'm trembling now. Now that you're trembling, will you become a Seventh-day Adventist? (laughs) Now that you're terrified to death, now that your belly is bitter... Listen, beloved, when we present that the law is in the Ark of the Covenant, all we have done is presented a riddle. We have not presented the answer. See, listen, the Bible says in Romans 3, here's what the, when, when people hear that, this is what they think. Okay, 
if the law is the standard of judgment, and Romans 3.23 says all have fallen short, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, And if Romans 3.20 says, By the deeds of the law shall no flesh be what? Justified. All you've done is presented a riddle. How in the world do I pass this judgment of which you're, you're pointing me to the law? How in the world am I going to be justified? <laughs> the answer is found in the Ark of the Covenant. There's, there's two other things in the ark. <laughs> two. Two other things. We go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the law of God. That is what's in the ark, man. That is what's in the ark. And yes, beloved, that's what's in the ark. But listen to me. Let's talk about, the, let's talk about that rod first. And for the sake of time, we're not going to turn to the scriptures. But listen. Aaron's rod, that buddy. There was a a, a, a a conflict about who was to be the priest. And so each of these men had, had rods, and God said, Let, write your names on the rods. And then in Numbers 14, or Numbers, I believe it's 16, Numbers 17, somewhere there, God says, the man that I shall choose to be priest, his rod is going to bud. The man that I choose, the man that I choose to be priest. His rod is going to bud. And it's interesting, beloved, because the miracle about that was that it was a dead stick. A dead stick. And in the morning when they came, they found that the stick had resurrected. So, so, so whoever symbolically would resurrect, he would have the right to be priest. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a reason why Aaron's rod is in the ark in heaven. It's because only one has budded. <laughs> and that is who? Jesus. Our high priest. Because he offered himself, he has the right to an everlasting priesthood. That's why Aaron's rod is up there. So now Jesus becomes our high priest. The one that was dead. The one that we slew has become our high priest. So that rod represents death and resurrection. The death and resurrection of Christ. But there's something else in the ark, and that is the manna. Now, you know, ask me a question. Where is the honey? Come on, ask me a question. Hmm? Where's the honey? Oh, you guys want to know where the honey is? Okay. Let me show you where the honey is. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus 16 and verse 31. Exodus chapter 16, verse 31. And I want you to notice this, beloved. Exodus 16, verse 31. When God was in, when, when, I'm sorry, when the children of Israel were being led out of Israel, God gave them a test, and their first test was what? Manna. 
You remember that? He rained manna down upon them, and that manna, Jesus tells us, is a symbol of who? Of himself. I am that bread which came down from heaven. And when he's speaking about that bread, it's not just any bread. Jesus said, this is my body, which is what? Broken for you. This is my body, which is broken for you. So from my sacrifice, you can take and eat this bread and it will become a part of you. Notice, uh, notice who, who knows what the manna... Uh, let me just read it. <laughs> Exodus 16.31 And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna. And it was like coriander seed white and the taste of it was like wafers made with what? Yeah. Where's the honey? <laughs> Where is the honey? Whew. A rod representing death, manna representing sweetness. Out of the eater came forth meat, out of the strong came forth sweetness. Beloved, it is the sweetness of what Christ has done for us when the world sees, when the Lamb of God is lifted up, He says, I will draw all men unto me. And when Jesus becomes the one altogether lovely for us and to us, something changes. That which was once bitter to us now becomes sweet. You see, the law of God is bitter to the world. Why? Because the carnal mind is enmity against what? God, because it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And Isaiah 5 verse 20, God warns, Woe unto them that call, that put sweet for bitter and bitter for sweet. That's what Babylon is doing, isn't it? And what what is the name before, before Babylon? That word before Babylon, mystery Babylon. Everybody in Babylon is still confused. They don't know the answer to the riddle. And beloved, when when we begin to go forth with this answer, the, the, the confusion will disappear and the people will come what? Out of Babylon because they now know the answer to the riddle. Man, where am I? (laughs) You know, when this riddle is presented and understood in its fullness, the mystery will be what? Will be finished. You you see, beloved, that mystery, we know it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. How am I going to pass this judgment? Oh, well, your high priest who died for you has presented you with something sweet, and that is power. And when you accept him, when you eat that sweet manna, when you take part of that honey, you are actually taking Christ into you. And when you take Christ into you, you now see things the way he sees things. And in Psalms 19 verse 10, when the Bible says that the law of God is sweeter than honey, (laughs) 
All of a sudden now, that which was once bitter to you now becomes sweet. Why? Because you realize that because you have Jesus Christ, you can stand in the judgment against that law and say, oh, sweet law, sweet law, sweet law. Why is the law sweet? Well, I'll be very simple. Let me ask something. Do you know anyone who's ever kept the law of God perfectly? One man. Jesus. Now, now, let me rephrase that. Jesus is the only man that has kept the law perfectly from what? From his birth. Now, why is he the only man that could do that? Very simple, because that's who he is. You didn't, you didn't get that, man. That's who he is. It's just like being me, you know. What, I sin because I'm me. But Jesus was righteous, was perfect because he was him. He could keep the law perfectly because of who he was. In other words, beloved, if I love Jesus, the Ten Commandments is simply a, a description of that character that is altogether lovely. So now when I see the law of God in that perspective, oh man, I love this law because it's a description of my Jesus. Can I describe Jesus to you? Yeah, you just read the Ten Commandments. That is a description of Jesus. So now when Jesus is in me, then the law becomes sweet to me and I just love keeping his law. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the mystery that is to be accomplished. In other words, beloved, you and I are to be sweet, sweet Christians. Not bitter Christians. Anybody know a bitter Christian? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> God calls us to have to, to be sweet, to be, to be uh, like a sweet smelling savor. God calls us. The gospel is, is good news, beloved. It's not bitter news. And do you realize that the cross is to be the center of all our teachings? I don't have time to go into this, so we're going to talk about this in our next meeting. That, beloved, when we make the cross the center of all of our... Do you know the cross disproves hellfire? Like that. That quick. That quick. Can I show you real quick? Let me show you real quick. The cross is the, cross is the sweet... This is why the cross is so sweet. Because error cannot make its way through the cross. So look, what are the wages of sin? Death... Or eternal punishment in hell. Which one? The world says what? Eternal punishment in hell. Okay? What would happen? Did Jesus pay the full penalty of sins? Full penalty. No discount. What would happen if Jesus did not pay the full penalty of sin? We'd all be what? Lost. Now here's a question. Did Jesus suffer eternally in heaven? In hell? So if the wages of sin is eternal suffering, then we're all lost because Jesus was only dead for three days. There, boom, the cross. Now, my friend, are you going to deny the cross? Oh, well, you know, that makes it easy because, you know, the sinner gets off easy. Oh, did Jesus get off easy? Are you saying that what Jesus paid on the cross was easy? Oh, well... You see, beloved, when we put the cross, even down to our health message, Jesus didn't drink mixed, mixed wine on the cross. <laughs> Everything, beloved, centered in the cross. Amen. God says, put the honey in your preaching and watch the bees come. Okay, I'm really getting ready to close. 
all who solve the mystery receive a change of garments. You didn't get it. All who solve the mystery will receive. (laughs) Two changes. Number one, Christ in you, the hope of glory. All who declare with certainty, all who have made up their minds. Yep, I know for a fact this is the sweetest thing on planet Earth. The gospel. Nothing else is sweeter than this. All who can declare it certainly will receive the change of garments. Christ our righteousness. But that's not the only change we'll receive. Revelation, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. A verse you know so well, but... Perhaps we'll read in a new light. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a riddle. (laughs) I show you a mystery. Why does Paul say that? Because this is the culmination. This is all those who have understood and applied the mystery of godliness He says, this is the final part of the mystery. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, that is just before sundown. (laughs) For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. We shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Verse 57, thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You want the change of garments? One more point. Those who don't solve the mystery must give up their garments. Those who don't solve the mystery will be found naked. Those who cannot certainly declare that this is the answer to the riddle not just declare with your mouth, but declare with your life. That's, what the, that's the real declaration. Because it's easy for us to declare with our mouth. But what does our life say? Are we going down? Those who cannot understand the riddle, those who cannot accept, who cannot live the answer, will be found naked and wanting. And so, beloved, this morning I present to you the honey. There is a world out there that is waiting for the honey. If if the work is to be finished in this generation, we've got to eat the honey 
and then take the honey. Heavenly Father, out of the eater came forth meat. Out of the strong came forth sweetness. Unbelievable how this points us to the cross. That rod that budded, that manna, the sweetness of the gospel. And that this is the answer to the dilemma of sin. Thank you, Father, for speaking this riddle and thank you for granting us the answer. May we declare it with certainty. Because, Father, if we're not certain, then we cannot go to the world with a certain message. Help us, Lord, to be certain. And, Father, we pray that through your Son we will receive those changes of garments that we might dwell with you forever and ever. We pray this in Jesus' name. Father, I just want to pause for one moment and ask, Lord, that if there's anyone in this room this morning that is still taste testing, Lord, that you would help them to taste and see that the Lord is good. Father, may they refrain from anything that is unlike you and declare with certainty today that you are our sweetness, our honey, our goodness, our righteousness, our everything. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen.